Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we've got Josh Ziklowski with ERC Specialist. And he flew in from Layton, Utah to talk about how to get free money from the government. Uh, I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires, and the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. And we know that you want to be a successful real estate investor. In order to do that, you need to consistently buy houses at deep margins. The problem is you may not be contracting enough houses or buying them deep enough, causing you to potentially feel a little frustrated or anxious. We understand how deflating it is walking out of a house without a signed contract. We've helped hundreds of people buy thousands of houses at deep margins. DM me the word sales on Instagram to find out how, so you never have to worry about revenue again. And this show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors. They get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag it from below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Josh to answer. You ready? I'm ready. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So before we get into all this ERC stuff, before you found all that, you did start in real estate. I did. Um, and I, I think that's what kind of helped me be a serial entrepreneur. It is, uh, I always say real estate is the trunk of my tree. Mm -hmm. You know, I started with flipping homes years ago. Um, uh, through a mentor I had in 2003, um, and then uh, several 2003. years ago. 2003. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. All right. Um, coming up on 20 years, actually, uh, next year. But uh, then I started getting into commercial real estate about seven years ago, doing a lot of triple net stuff with uh, retail, flex industrial, uh, medical, and dental. And um, yeah. And then through being a serial entrepreneur, um, had some other businesses, one in, in the oil business where in 2020, price per barrel was negative $30 a barrel one day. And because of that, it kind of it kind of pushed me into a different direction, mm -hmm. you know, because I was trying to like find ways to combat, you know, our oil business because it was suffering. So fix and flip into commercial, doing a lot of triple nets. Uh, so I like to, I'm gonna pick on commercial quite, quite a bit. I don't think commercial, people really understand how commercial works, right? I mean, you, you drive around, you see the street, you see the signs, whatever, right? But for me, you know, wholesaling at times gives a bad rap, but I don't see any difference between wholesaling and commercial real estate. Uh, can you walk me through what you see or like some of the differences? No, I think, I think you hit it right on the button. It's funny you say that because wholesaling, the part of wholesaling is, you know, you put in a contract and you can technically back out. You might lose an earnest money deposit or whatever at the very, yeah. at the very end, but you won't close on it until you have a buyer, right? Mm -hmm. Commercial is very, similar as far as like for instance i have a property in syracuse utah like you mentioned i'm out of late in utah and i have a, a property there i put in a contract for six months due diligence and i waited and i had an extension for another three months after that so nine months just to find the right tenants which ends up and triple net means that they're paying for your taxes insurance everything right when i had it fully occupied i closed on it right and this was a hundred and like five thousand dollar purchase but I waited because I wanted to be absolutely sure that this was a legitimate close. And that's how commercials, and so coming back to wholesaling is it's very similar, is you kind of wait to the very end, you might lose an earnest money deposit, or you close on the deal and you make you know five to 20 grand. Right, you know? so you look at, uh, so commercial, like if you're working your way up, did you were you a cold caller? Like from the Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, so, I was I was a door knocker. Door knocker. <laughs> you know, more than a cold caller. There was no uh, there's no software around. Like I was literally just knocking on doors yeah. in 2003, you know? Yeah, so you get in and you got a door knock at a cold call, right? 
Josh, here's a list. Hammer this list. And don't talk to me until after you finish hammering this list. Right. So you got to start off there. You got to deal with uh, landlords or people that own commercial properties. And then it's like a pocket listing, right? Because you don't, you might put it on CoStar. You might put it on, um, what's the other one? LoopNet. Yeah. Right. You might put it there, but you might not. You might just have an internal, um, it's not an MLS, but it's an internal uh, listing service, right? Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah, very right? accurate. So you got your own private network. You're trying to market your own private properties. And then when you do sell it, typically you're double ending it. So you're finding the seller and you're finding the buyer. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, and when you talk about putting up signs and stuff at the very beginning when you described commercial, that's how I thought commercial was, is like if you had a vacancy, you just put up a sign and hopefully, you know, Starbucks calls you and says, hey, I want to put up a Starbucks <laughs> that in be here. Great? Yeah. You know, and it's because I learned from my mentor, his name's Scott Scheel, is there is a whole different uh, plan to that, mm-hmm. you know, to make it so you can be a lot more professional with a little bit of education type of thing. Yeah. So. But you got to cold call the sellers, potentially cold call the buyers, or cold call the potential tenants, right? Yeah. Maybe peel them off from one building to another to your building, right? So that's what you can pay for is the marketing. No, totally. I mean, when I have a vacancy, literally, I when I first started, now I have a team in place, but I I would call two hundred to three hundred potential tenants from the East Coast to Texas to Idaho that I would buy a list that they had a they had an opportunity. Um, an idea of maybe coming into this spot in Utah, mm-hmm. you know, and I had some sort of list for that, and I would right. call them, cold call them, potential people. Yeah, is that mean like people that have expressed interest? They didn't sign up on the website. Like these are people that might be interested. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, the other thing too, I kind of compare, right? You know, again, like picking a commercial in the uh, in the past, is that as a realtor, we have the National Association of Realtors of the Code of Ethics, right? Like if I'm saying mean things about Josh, that's unethical. Mm-hmm. In commercial, that felt like it was totally cutthroat guy. If I haven't done a lot of commercial transactions, but when I have done them, it feels like they can smell weakness and they will crush weakness. They, they can. No, yeah. and um, it's funny because I literally was grinding for the first, and it's, it's a lot of, it's funny because I paid, I mean, not paid, I, I invested, I would say invested, as far as in education, in, in residential, you know, when I flipped homes and stuff, then when commercial was a six-figure um, education, mm-hmm. right, when I first started. It took me almost a year and a half, two years to make residual income from that. And yeah. a lot of people quit after like six, nine months, and that's even a long time for them. You know, yeah. for me, I took a long time because I wanted to change the way I was doing things. Because I felt like if I would have passed away one day, I would have left my kids a chunk of money, but not keys to an apartment complex or keys to a uh, shopping center that they could maybe utilize for 20, 30 years after that. Right. Okay, so anyway, I just kind of want to highlight that because you do have the commercial experience, and I think like there's this idea that you know wholesaling is unethical, whatever. Yeah. And I see so many parallels between commercial real estate and wholesaling real estate. Oh, totally, absolutely. I can totally see what you're saying with that. Yeah. Okay, so um, you said that oil changed your business, and so you again, so oil changed. What exactly did you pivot to after oil? So when I was in the oil business, um, I was in there since 2019, actually 2018. And um, because in Wyoming, I'm in the, out of Utah, but out of Wyoming, every well was plugged. And there was an article that it, that hasn't happened in 86 years through the because of the pandemic, right? So when price per barrel was negative $30 a barrel one day, I was trying to affect extra stimulus. I did a PPP number one, number two. And if you've heard of PPP, you definitely want to listen here because this is what we're going to talk about is that's under the CARES Act. And... Um, 
I got a state of Wyoming grant. Well, back when there was PPP, there was also something called ERC. But you couldn't get one. You couldn't get both. You couldn't get PPP and ERC until President Biden amended this in March of 21, where he said, "Hey, if you got PPP, I'll allow you to get ERC." And that what that what that is and and uh, started with is up to twenty six thousand dollars per W two employee. And so when I first read about this, it was because a friend of mine said, "Hey, here's another um, opportunity for your oil business." I I found that I reached out to my CPA, which I'm in Phoenix right now. My CPA used to be Tom Wilwright um, mm. in his group. You know, that's that's Robert Kiyosaki's CPA. And he said to me, you know, 95% of CPAs won't do this because they don't do your payroll. Usually you have ADP or Paychex or Gusto. Reach out to them. So I did. And I reached out to my friend of mine who is a state representative for ADP. And he said, oh, man, we're not amending returns. We're only doing active payroll. So you're going to have to find some sort of service or third party that can help you claim this credit. Mm-hmm. And they call the credit because uh, a couple of different reasons. But basically, I mean, I know you use the word free money. That's one thing that our attorneys have said, hey, don't use the word free because there's always a cost of something. But in essence, you know, if you don't know about this, you're going to get some money that, you, let's just call it newfound money, you didn't know about up to $26,000 per W-2 employee. You have mm-hmm. 10 employees, there's a quarter million dollars. Right. You know? So you read about this back, you said 2020? Yeah. So the ERC started in 2020. Exact same day as PPP. That's what's oh. so funny. Everyone knows about PPP, but they didn't know that this started yeah, the so exact same PPP, time. so there's PPP, EIDL, yep. and ERC. Mm-hmm. And I never heard about ERC until Terry, Terry Thayer connected us, yeah. right? So you, there was PPP, EIDL, and ERC. So you're saying you got the PPP money, EIDL money? Not in my oil business, because EIDL is, te- well, technically, they're both a loan. Mm-hmm. PPP was a loan that was forgiven later. EIDL is a loan over 30 years. We, as the oil business, didn't do the EIDL. Okay. We did PPP number one. Number two, we got a state of Wyoming grant that gave us some six-figure money as well. What was the difference between PPP one and PPP two? Uh, PPP two. In order to get approved for PPP number two, you had to show a twenty percent, twenty five percent loss mm-hmm. from the year before. Got it. yeah, because they were sending us emails like, "Hey, like you should apply for this." And every time we looked at, it, I was like, "But we can't yeah. show this." And that was the reason. And that's what's yeah. We'll go over more, but that's how ERC actually started. But then this was amended five different times in twenty twenty one. You know, but PPP number two was you had to show a twenty five percent loss. So we got about one hundred eighty five thousand on PPP number one for the amount of employees that we had. Then we got the exact same amount for PPP number two, mm-hmm. you know, cause we had a loss. Right, well, in oil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it was kind of harder to show that in, in real estate. I mean, we're, 2021 is a pretty good year for a Very lot of good us. Year. <laughs> for a lot of people. Yeah, okay, so then, uh, so you saw ERC, you looked into it, and then Tom Wheelwright at that point was doing your accounting? His group, yeah. His group, and they said, go talk to uh, whoever's running your payroll. Yeah, and you went to go talk to them. And they're like, "Ah, uh, we don't do this. We only amend returns. So they don't do tax returns, or they don't do ERC applications. They don't do. Um, they don't amend your quarterly returns. Okay. So, like I always tell people, don't get mad at your tax professional for not knowing this mm-hmm. because this isn't something that usually they're probably even it's in in their uh, wheelhouse or even on their radar, right? Right. But then even payroll companies are saying like, "Hey, you know, we're pretty much a software company. Um, we will do your active returns." Go online, do your gusto quarterly, but if it's an amendment, that's a different story. Why is an amendment necessary? Because we're going back um, in, like right now we're in 2022, so we're going back to their 2020 returns, 
and saying, hey, send this over, and then we're going to uh, file this based on what you uh, claimed, how many employees you had that quarter. Mm-hmm. So like even like when you think about the word fraud, like in PPP, that was because you just answered a couple of questions. This is like saying, hey, we have to match what you already filed a year and a half, two years ago with mm-hmm. the IRS. So the, the opportunity for fraud is like, it's hard. It's actually yeah. hard to commit fraud because it's like you told the IRS you had 13 employees. Now you're telling me you have 30. I can't say you have 30 because you already said to them in 2020 you had 13. Right. If that makes sense. And it makes total sense. Okay. So um, so you go to the payroll company. Like We don't do many returns. So then what was the next step after that? So kind of the – you never read the book Who Not How? Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of that. It's probably one of my top three books now because that's what changed my life is I kind of was like, yeah, man, this is – it's a little too good to be true, number one. But number two is like... Yeah, that's why I said to Terry. Yeah. But number two is like, um, I'm not a tax guy. Like, I've never even... I, I've, I've logged into QuickBooks probably a dozen times in my life. Mm-hmm. and But I have, you know, an accounting person or whatever that is professional at that. So kind of that same mentality. Why don't I get the right who's, partners, stuff like that, to start a business, you know? And... Uh, and it's funny because we used to think like, man, if we could make an extra ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month, this would be awesome. You know, that's how we started. But we went from six partners. Now we have um, eight or nine equity partners to two hundred two hundred ten employees. You know, um, over the last year and a half, and uh, we just help businesses from one employee to five hundred employees claim this credit. And uh, I should say, because I was saying earlier, why do they call it a credit, not a grant? Um, you know, because we we said we don't want to use the word uh, quote unquote free money, but the reason why they call they don't call it a grant is because in a grant you have to disclose what you're using the money for. Whereas a a credit, why they call the credit is you can use it for whatever you want. And this is not a loan; it's forgiven right when you get it. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas PPP was a loan that you had to forgive later, and you had to disclose what you're using the money for, right? So you can use it for whatever you want in this, and that's what's really cool about this program. So. You went again. I'm looking at like you already have your regular person doing your taxes. Does they were not able to do the ERC return, and you had to go find people to figure this out. Yeah. What was that process like? Well, it and so one of my partners, um, her name is Jerry. She's on the um, uh, different boards of uh, the Payroll Association, National Payroll Association, Utah Payroll Association. Um, if you remember. What I was saying earlier is, if you got PPP, you could not get ERC back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Well, people that didn't get PPP, they tried to get ERC. So she was claim, she was doing claims of ERC back then, right? So she already been doing this. But and when we first um, talked about the opportunity of, uh, of working together, it was mostly because um, she had been doing it. But also, you know, and she'll admit to this. She thought the only way you could do this is manually. You couldn't do this to scale. Like there's there, it, I don't know if she used the word impossible, but it was very unlikely for her to have the mentality of like thinking, oh, you got to literally probably hire 50 to 100 processors to do this. And we said, there's got to be a different way. And uh, we kind of took the mentality of Henry Ford. And and, uh, that's another partner of mine that's very good operations. His name's Justin, as far as the uh, technology piece of we wanted to build a conveyor belt like Henry Ford is how can we start with the car here to have it out the production over here, you know, um, and make it so, because right now we're handling about 400 companies a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and how can we do that? And that's what we we started with. And granted, we've had plenty of growing pains with it. 
and we still have them today, but because this is a program, you're not making, you're not building a business for a 10, 20 year exit. You're building it for like a three year period, mm -hmm. you know? And so we've had a lot of things, but luckily um, we've uh, been endorsed by many different agencies, associations, um, even our Utah State Attorney General is now on our board. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, and uh, a former uh, U.S. Attorney General, his name's uh, Matt Whitaker, under, when he was under Trump, um, he's on our board as well. Um, so he probably so, has a pretty good idea how it works. Yeah, exactly. And, and believe me, when we first talked to him, it took him about three or four weeks to even get back to us to vet us a little bit. And so yeah. we're fortunate that he you know, said, hey, you guys are legit. This program's legit. I want to work with you guys. Got it. So um, talk to me about like the first batch. I'm, I'm assuming you start off yourself, right? You're your first case study. Yeah. So what was that like when you first went through this? Same thing is it's always too good to be true. And that used to be my um, start of my presentation for a good year. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first started the, when we first started the company in May of 21 is that's how I'd start because that's how I originally started. And I used to tell people, cause I want them to vet it. I want them to Google ERC credit and go to the irs.gov website. That's how it all started, right? And cause 10 out of 10 business owners back a year and a half ago, didn't even know about it. Now, I would say three out of 10, four out of 10 know about it now. Uh, there's more companies out there um, trying to do this and all that kind of stuff. But um, when I went through it, you know, received the money. Um, then I, I, the one thing we set up is, because the one that the one thing that's crappy with the program is the IRS does take six to eight months to send out the money. Um, so what we said is like, hey, we're not going to charge up front for our mm -hmm. services. We're going to charge 15% of what they get um, on the credit side. So if they're approved for you know, uh, $100,000, we're going to charge 15%, $15,000 to file it for them. And we'll wait until they receive the money. So it could be six to eight months. So we'll and we set that up because the IRS was taking a while and it was a little too good to be true versus... Why is it that um, PPP and EIDL are relatively fast and ERC is six to eight months? Um, I think it's more of uh, um, because obviously like PPP was a frenzy, like literally, and, and banks were, were making a f up to 5% commission for brokering that money. And if so you remember- every your, reason in the world bankers, to get it done right. Oh yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is they were so aggressive because there was about six or seven questions. Do you have a, do you have an EIN? Do you have this? Do you have this? So, okay. You're getting the money within six, seven days, mm -hmm. you know, where this is like getting tax returns, um, quarterly returns, I should say. You're, you actually, we asked for your PPP information, uh, your payroll report. It's very detailed, you know, and that's why payroll companies, um, CPAs, um, enrolled agents, they don't do it because it is so far off their radar and it takes literally two to three hours per employee to file this. Yeah. So, and that's why we kind of set up the way we did. Okay. So you were the first case study, you got it, or you started it, and it was six to eight months until you got. Yeah. Your, your your was it credit? What uh, they call it? It was. It, it's a check in the mail. Even though they called it credit, they called yeah. it overpayment technically with the IRS. What does that mean? So if you're receiving, because back in the day when before we a lot of us were self-employed, we'd mm -hmm. receive a tax return, mm -hmm. right? Where uh, we were W two employees or whatever it was, and uh, we'd get three or four thousand dollars back. It's basically that, um, but the IRS calls it an overpayment. So in other words, like let's say your quarterly. Um, in 2020, quarter three, you know, you already paid your payroll tax back then. Now, because you had 10 employees, you can get up to $25,000 that quarter. They're saying, hey, we're going to pay you overpayment for that quarter. That's why they call it overpayment. So yeah. 
our our clients will get um, you know a notice in the mail that says, hey, you got an overpayment for this quarter. So if someone's approved for two hundred thousand. Technically, comes in six different checks because it's six different quarters. Um, it comes as an overpayment from the IRS. Got it. Okay, so you started it. There were some challenges, but you're able to work your way through. When did it go from like, let's try this on ourselves to like, hey, like, let's make this a business, right? Because you talk about serial entrepreneur. I also have that problem. And I imagine some of the people listening have this problem. So what was it like from like getting yours done to making this a business? Yeah, so when we first started the business, just like PPP number two, like we talked about earlier, you had to have a 25% loss. When this program started, there was a couple questions in what we call our questionnaire. Do you have 500 employees or less? If the answer is yes, obviously all W-2. The next question is, is did you have a 20% loss You know, from your 19 quarters to your 21 quarters? That's how we started the business. But then President Biden amended this literally uh, four or five different times in 21 where he changed up the questionnaire. He says, hey, did you have a 20% loss? Or were you shut down partial or full based on government mandate? Or did you have a supply chain disruption to your business? And even Forbes did an article in March of 2022 uh, that said 80% of businesses actually qualify for this, yet 7 out of 10 don't even know about it. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that supply chain. You know, um, just like you said, is in 21, it's like, we made a lot of money. Like in real estate, we made a lot of money. Well, did you have a supply chain? Well, yeah. I mean, we couldn't get lumber. We couldn't get windows for 16 weeks. I mean, we had to go buy it from someone else or we had to do this. Supply chain. Or extra hard money costs. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I've never actually had someone talk about that, but, you know, that adds to your bottom line. And they call it, um, did you have a tw- 10% or more or less nominal effect? Mm-hmm. You know, in that case, you did, you know, because right. you could have profited 40000 Now you're profiting 30000 because you have interest on it, whatever it right. is. Yep. Okay, so then um, once you, you got this going, I mean, I know like we went through this, and uh, like Terry, again, Terry Thayer, he's the one that connected you and me. Um, I remember he's like, Steve, you got to check this thing out. I was like, you're crazy. Like, this can't be real because I had seen other people post about it on Facebook. And I did my research. I did my due diligence. Like, we don't qualify for this. And he's like, just talk to Josh. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I talked to you, and that's when you had informed me that what I had read before was no longer true. Right. Right. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I did experience some supply chain issues, and it did affect us. Uh, it did hurt us financially. So then we went through it. And I want to say uh, for our two different companies, I think we have 70,000 coming in somewhere around that number. Yeah. So um, obviously, this, this is real. Right. So if someone wanted to to do this, like what would that process be like? Like someone's listening right now is like, all right, if 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 this is legit, right, Josh is running the business, Steve's gone through it, he's getting the money. What steps do they have to take if they want to to qualify for this? Good or apply question. for this. Yeah. So there's gonna be two things. We'll go over the second one here in a in a few minutes. But the first one is um we set up with you guys to make it easier for your listeners, which is disruptors. Uh, dot com slash erc they'll go through a few different questions um and to to what i was saying earlier is we don't charge for our services up front and this is for someone that has w2 employees anywhere between one and 500 employees right um they go through that we're going to make it an easy process for them where they're going to fill out it's going to take them five or ten minutes uh per ein so if you have a couple eins maybe a restaurant and you have something else on the side whatever it is um then we're going to ask Upload us some certain documents, your 941s for six different quarters, and we'll show you what those, what those are, uh, your payroll report, and then your PPP information. That's all we need. And then about 
two to three weeks, we'll come back to you and we'll say, okay, you're approved for, in your case, 72, let's say $72,000 and 13 cents. Do you want us to file? Technically, you can actually back out at that point. I mean, 95% of people, when they see the number, they're like, oh, well, you guys already done this. You guys already gone this far. Let's just do this. Uh, you docu-sign it. You agree to the 15% fee when the money comes. Um, and then we wait six to eight months, mm -hmm. right? Technically, as well, I mean, at the very end, you can actually pay our fee up front and get a discount from 15 down to 10. That's up to you. We don't we don't mind what you decide to do, but it's going to be up to you. Um, and that's how we make it very seamless for you. You know, yeah. uh, at the very least, we might say, hey, you know, you send over you send over uh, your information, but this quarter is a little like you know it was a scan. It's not we can't see it that well. Can you resend a, a, another a different scan to us? Outside of that, like we try to make it very seamless and very easy for um, an an owner, or they might just pass it on to their bookkeeper that is in charge of that and does right. all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, we basically had our in-house uh, uh, person who manages all our finances. Yeah, and she went through that process, and uh, there were some challenges, but they were all mostly on our end, right? Getting the payroll reports and everything else. So, yeah, but at the very end, I mean, it was seamless. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, working with you guys was it was really really uh, helpful. So, why do you think this is right that eighty percent of people qualify or eighty percent of companies qualify, but seven ten aren't aware of it? I think they aren't aren't aware. It's it's kind of like what you said. I think one of the top things I get all the time is like, hey, my my tax person or I looked into this and I didn't qualify. As I used to say, and this is a bad way to say it, but I used to say, oh, well, your tax person doesn't really know what we know. But I kind of took a step back. I'm like, hey, that's the worst thing I can do because they trust their tax person. So rather than saying that, I used to say, now I say like, hey, your tax person, he or she was probably correct at that time, mm -hmm. but it's changed since then, right? right? This has been amended, and that's why Forbes did the article, is because in November of 21, when they said if there's a supply chain based on certain questions, you do qualify. And so that's the that's the push I do with people now. Is I, you know, I was on the call with two different CPAs today, and one of them's like, man, I heard about this like a year ago, but my focus is helping people with their 1040s and 1120s. It's not payroll. Yeah. It's not it's ERC. Not their priority. Yeah. So, um, you know, I this is great for my client and I have other clients that I want to uh, refer to you guys. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And I think the, I mean, I even still see it today, you know, like time to time, like, Hey, like I'm just hearing about this. What do you guys think? Right. I want to say it comes up probably like every other month. So I'm gonna just post on Facebook. Hey, I'm hearing about this thing. Is this thing legit? Like, yes, it's legit. So, and I think it's, it's kind of funny because both of us have been real estate, right? It's kind of like in real estate is you hear and then you want to verify mm -hmm. is, you know, there is, 30, 50 different ways to make money in real estate. And when someone brings something up like, hey, did you know you could do this with the, in addition to subject two, you could do this. Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Let me verify that. You right. know, and you still want to verify it, right? But you hear about it and you don't discount it, but you're like, let me look into this. And this is kind of what that is, right? Yeah. Is it's like, a little too good to be true, but let me verify that a little bit. So I remember when COVID, you know, uh, first started, you know, in, in, in March of 2022. I don't remember exactly when PPP and the IDL started rolling out, but it wasn't too much longer. I want to say it was like maybe May, right? I don't know for sure. In 2020? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. About then? And I remember, like, I saw some people were like, um, I hate big government. Um, 
this is wrong we shouldn't take money from the government and, and this and that and and because of that i will not ask for the ppp or, or eidl money and then we kind of have this thing right now where a lot of people are kind of pissed off about the student loans thing yeah so what do you say to the person that, that asks you hey josh isn't this morally wrong or maybe or maybe that's not the right question but like i'm opposed to this like what would you say to that person i would say <laughs> it's available yeah, it's available, and I say that because um, I have great stories to it. Um, you know, um, being a person that um, I was—I mean, I'll just say it here—I I was against the pandemic, all that kind of stuff. But I also looked at like what positive, um, um, positive pieces that happened from it. One is, you know, I was able to have dinner with my family every night, nonstop, for a good three or four weeks. I mm. love that. I actually miss it. Right. Um, but with this, to to your point, is um, it's available. But the other thing is, when they first started, I used to say like, "Oh man, you know, this is something else that, that they're going to put out there, and you know, people are going to take advantage of it." At the very beginning, I used to have people that told me no because of that, mm -hmm. right? But then I had people, and one one story I have is in Utah. They uh, this pizza joint. They have probably five or six locations. They when I helped them get a little over half a million dollars. When I sat down with them, before they got the money, they said, man, we've been talking about adding another store or two. We're going to do that with this money now. Yeah. And let's say they added two stores. I don't know what, what they decided to do, but that adds 20 jobs per location. And that added that's going to add up to 40 doing jobs. I mean, that's kind of the purpose of it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's one of those things that, yeah, you could debate both sides. And if someone you know starts arguing that side, it's like, not like I'm going to disagree with them. It's just like, hey, it's available. If you take advantage of it, great. If you don't, dude, I, res I respect that too. Right. You know? I mean, I thought it was kind of a little bit of uh, hubris, right? I think um, the people are saying, like, I'm not going to take this money. I don't want to take money from the government. At the same time, I think uh, as a business owner, we have a fiduciary to our employees and yeah. people that look up to us because they count on us Yeah. for payroll, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we as entrepreneurs get to enjoy all this craziness and we get to go on and we ride the ups and downs. Right. But when we get really low and really down they are the ones at risk right. and i think we have um i think we have to be great stewards to protect the company whatever we can to protect the company to protect all those people that rely on us right yeah so i see some of those people that were like absolutely like adamant adamantly against it and um i don't think they're still in real estate yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no i think you i think uh it's our employees are our kids mm-hmm you know, I mean, you know, they have families and stuff and our kids, I mean, they don't have families yet. I mean, my kids are under the age of 15, but um, our, my employees, I mean, I'm, I'm always thinking about like, you know, what can I do for them? And, you know, some are single, some are married, some have kids and, you know, same thing, you know, um, you know, what can we do to help the, the company? And this program happens to be something that you know, you can utilize within your employees or buy more equipment to add more employees or whatever you want to do. So, right. So, um, let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll get to all the live questions, guys. Ask your questions in here. Uh, I, I know Josh wants to answer all these questions for you guys. So, we'll take a quick commercial break here. Welcome to the Disruptors Selling System. Obviously, I believe in sales. I'm teaching this course, I'm very passionate about sales, but I readily recognize that our sales stuff does not matter until we're able to market effectively. There's a saying that professionals sift and sort and amateurs convince. 
But when people think of salespeople, they don't get the warm and fuzzies. And so we need to make sure we're separating ourselves from what the typical salesperson sounds like. I don't know what it is, but it seems like every salesperson has that same melodic tune when they're calling people and saying, how are you doing today? As you can see, we really try to do everything we can to not sound like a salesperson. Now, I fully embrace my role as a salesperson. Salespeople are needed in this world. In our program, you're gonna learn how to book more appointments from the existing marketing you're already doing. You're gonna learn how to get more contracts signed and ultimately learn how to get more of those contracts across the finish line because we know we don't get paid for signed contracts, we only get paid for closed escrows. Let's get started. All right, so um, guys, again, this is a live show, so please ask your questions uh, uh, for Josh to answer. So uh, while the questions start coming in, uh, let's, talk, let's go back to uh, your, your journey here. So why did you go from real estate to oil? So it's not necessarily saying I went to one or the other. Um, real estate is always the trunk of my tree, even mm -hmm. today. Um, it was having another branch. It was having you know, diversity um, and diversifying my portfolio and my time to see. I had an opportunity that I was getting into on a minority piece um, in the oil business, and uh, which was uh, delivering water and stuff in the oil business. And then we expanded that. Um, and then we decided to buy a business out of that. And we paid uh, a lot of money for that business um, in uh, early 2020. Um, and then- Well, you got into it right, uh, right before. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, when you look back, it's like, oh my gosh, that was a terrible um, move. <laughs> but I think the terrible move turned into something that's gonna be- Turned into a different know, business. Yeah, like a 30 times X on, on what I invest in that money. So. Um, that said, that was kind of the main purpose. And during that whole time, I'm still doing real estate, right? Yeah. It was just like, had this thing, but it was pulling me away from real estate quite a bit because it was like suffering so bad. I mean, yeah. it was literally, I mean, I, I may have said earlier, but in the state of Wyoming, it hasn't happened 86 years that every single well was plugged. Well, you know? was this that time where, um, I remember like the, the oil reserves were so full that trucks of oil were like, we have nowhere to put this oil. That's it. That's why it was negative $30 a barrel that day. Yeah. That's exactly why. Literally, there's people at the at the ports, um, people as in barges with mm -hmm. oil, they're told to go home, go right. back to Iraq, go back to, I don't know where they were going back to, but China, whatever, um, because there's no oil, we can't bring them the oil on the, on the soil right now. Yeah. It's crazy that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of have the opposite problem today. Well, it's funny. We were trying to think of uh, other ways to to uh, make money with that, and we had um, a couple people that's like, "Hey, we have extra. Um, I don't know what they're called, silos or whatever, to put oil in." And it was like a kind of a rush dash within three or four days, and we ended up not working out. Uh, but we were really close to the to making money at that. But mm -hmm. you know, just being a little creative. Yeah. So uh, we did talk about how to work with you, right? Yes, but. Let's say someone were so bold to say, hey, you know, I'm looking at a question from Johnny B here, right? Let's say, I don't want to go through Josh. I want to do this myself. I mean, I agree with that model. We just talk about who, not how. Yeah. But let's pretend someone wanted to do that. Sure. What would that look like? So I always tell people is, you know, by all means, you can, you know, just like anything else is um, 
you know, you can, uh, if you're getting sued, you can set, you can certainly defend yourself, right? right? Uh, the chances of you have, if it's a pretty big um, lawsuit or whatever, it's probably best to get an attorney. Mm-hmm. I compare it the same way, is right. you can certainly do it yourself, and I'm not going to tell people not to. It's going to be a lot harder. I don't think they're going to get the max amount uh, because we specialize in it, mm-hmm. but they're certainly well willing to do that. Right. So if they wanted to do that, like, where would they go? to do that um <laughs> read up on the irs.gov website 250 pages worth of documents mm-hmm. to understand something that you know someone else could do and all right get paid 15 percent if the money comes yeah so <laughs> read up on the <laughs> yeah on the irs website um okay so you had your your business so i mean let's talk about what, what, what does your real estate business look like today um i have i mean a uh, little under 20 properties in the portfolio mm-hmm. uh, all commercial um, I have um, five right now that are in processing, whether it's uh, constructing or uh, the land, uh, working with the city and stuff like that. So I haven't done as much, um, but at the same token is um, I've done enough. What, you know, especially with, you know, getting into commercial real estate with depreciation stuff, I just, something I'm always going to do. Um, so is it something really more where you own properties, not so much you don't have a, a team that's like sourcing deals or, or, or sourcing listings or anything like that? So I do. I do have a partnership. Um, there's, I'm one of five partners, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we're in a contract on a couple of deals right now, and uh, we concentrate on the triple net stuff, like I was saying. And... Uh, like we were just saying this last couple of weeks to take a more aggressive approach, um, a little bit more marketing this year, especially we've been waiting because we've been waiting for really, really good deals. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause although we're aggressive, we're also conservative. And uh, you know, based on what I was saying with our, my mentor, Scott, he's been saying, Hey, hold off or, you know, don't be so aggressive until the next, which is six, 12 months from now, there's gonna be some really, really good deals coming out. And we're already starting to see some of those deals that we're, that's what we're pouncing on right now. So walk me through that. What do you consider to be a good deal? A good deal is um, in-place cap rate around seven. So that way our investors, our limited partners are making money um, with meat on the bone. So something that maybe has a vacancy or uh, we're buying something that isn't triple net, but it could be converted to triple net. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. a gross lease. And, uh, you know, that's what we kind of look at. Some that we can buy for maybe like say two million that we can sell for three to three and a half, you know, yeah. in a couple of years. So then is your play predominantly more um, purchasing, stabilizing, and then selling, or you're also keeping some of these? Yeah. So one thing is Scott, um, so yeah, to we uh, purchase, stabilize, um, add va- we'll add value, stabilize, and then whether we sell or we keep, you know, one thing Scott's always uh, taught is keeping 50% in your portfolio for cash flow and 50% for flipping deals. Mm-hmm. Got it. So with the craziness, right, with the Fed rate, yeah, um, it's affecting, you know, uh, interest rates and everything else, right? Because, like, commercial financing is tied very closely to either LIBOR or something else. Mm-hmm. How have you seen that affect values in commercial real estate? Already, I have. Um, in addition to, I've had sellers, buyers um, that have been reaching out to me, that have been backing out, that have been really concerned about, you know, getting into this property because now their their offering memorandum, their OM has changed because 
you know, they're only going to be able to get their investors X amount of dollars per year as far as a return versus mm -hmm. what they were thinking they could get two, three months ago. Right. You know, because a commercial deal takes six months to close, nine yeah. months maybe. So if you're in commercial right now, you might be drinking a little bit more at yeah. the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it's affecting. So having rates go up causes the cap rate have to go up, right? As far as the purchase price or sales price. Yep, it does. Causing the value to go down. And so are you guys seeing, because we're seeing right now on the traditional side uh, that the uh, market uh, velocity has slowed down a lot, right? We went from like a month, like we went from weeks or maybe a couple months of inventory to like five months of inventory overnight. Right. Are you guys seeing the same thing on the commercial side? Yeah, which that's what I'm liking right now mm -hmm. because I've been waiting to buy, right? right. I've been waiting for uh, these things based on my instruction, uh, instructed instruction from my mentor and other friends of mine. And I've been seeing it too. Like, hey, it's just really hot. Um, and there was a lot of people in, that were selling properties in commercial that they would sell it because they're like, wow, I can make, you know, two, three million dollars. But then they are having to force themselves into a 1031 event, which now they're in like a four cap or a five cap, which is not great. Right. You know, but they're able to cash out. Now they got something that's making a little bit of money and they're like, oh man, I shouldn't have maybe done that. Maybe, maybe I should, should not. But, um, I had a lot of people that's like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not selling because I don't know where to put it. Right. I, I don't know where to find a really good deal after this one. So, you know, reading the books, this is a long time ago, right? Reading the books understanding OPM leverage and this and that. It's like, okay, well I'm going to do houses for a while. And at some point I'm going to graduate to commercial. Right, like that's what, what you tell yourself. And then as I started leasing spaces and like working with some people on the commercial side, I was like the cash flow is not nearly as attractive as you may think, potentially, at least this has been my experience, right? And I'm looking at like spaces that I've leased, including this particular space, mm -hmm. the amount of TI they have to do upfront until they recapture the tenant improvements right. is sometimes years, right? So how do you deal with that long-term cash flow situation? So number one, I have good partners. Yeah. So like my one partner um, in particular, his name's Chris down in uh, Houston. He, uh, uh, his background's analytics, mm -hmm. right? Um, he's done a lot of stuff with BP oil and stuff in the past and, and current actually. And uh, he'll tell me, uh, basically I'll say, and uh, he'll either be a good person or a bad person. I always tell him, it's like, hey, I got this really good deal. I did the numbers and it's not so great, Josh. Oh, okay. Sounds good. We'll back right. out of that one, right? right? But he'll tell me like, hey, based on the TI, based on this, based on that, um, this is going to be a, slam, a, a, a double or a single, you know, or this is going to be a home run or like, hey, we got to back out. And that really helps, helps me out. And I would encourage anyone, and that's what, when I made that transition to commercial, was that who not how mentality mm -hmm. of, you know, and I've had friends, believe me, that have wanted to make that transition to commercial from flipping a lot of homes, 30, 40 homes a year, but they have a hard time not letting go of 100% ownership, yeah. you know? Whereas in commercial, it's like, like we, me and a couple partners, we just hit a, um, a home run per se. We bought a property back three years ago in uh, Atlanta, it's a surgical center. And uh, we just had the tenant actually about three months ago tell us, hey, we want to buy this. We bought it as a nine and a half cap with 50% uh, vacancy. So we had a lot of upside, right? Yeah. And uh, anyways, they're buying it. We, we bought it for like 
one two million I think dollars, and we're in our contract at four four. You know, right? And uh, I'm walking away with investing like ten grand of my own money as far as you know uh, when we first started to I'm walking away with three or four hundred thousand dollars as I think a seventeen percent ownership. Mm-hmm. So you, they they you hear that number you're like seventeen percent like why would you even do that deal? Well, it's because I have other partners that are doing certain things. I did my I did my part. They're doing their part. I'm walking away with something that's cash flowing, you know, when we close. And two, three years later, I'm making, I'm moving now three or $400,000 here in a, about a month or two, we're going to close. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to have that mentality of like not being a hundred percent owner all the time. Right. Um, so for me, you know, singles, doubles, are we talking about, okay, that was $10,000, $20,000. What does a single double home run look like in your world? Um, I would say it's you think about cash flow first is you know an extra two grand a month mm-hmm. i would say is a single and probably two grand each base let's say mm-hmm. you know um you know home run i think is like eight grand i mean that's a hundred grand a year on one property right All right and very doable depending on the property and depending on how you negotiated it just like in real estate we always say you make money when you buy not when you sell right, right? same thing with commercials so um, we do the same thing. And that's where I think um, the piece is, the appreciation piece, or knowing that you're going to flip the property and add tenants or whatever it is, then it's kind of that cherry on top because we don't buy properties unless it has cash flow. Um, I know people do. I don't. Um, and when I then sell it, I'm walking away at least with a seven-figure um, exit right. you know, on my ownership for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, David Smith asked the question, um, so what is a quick way for someone to figure out if they qualify for the ERC program? I know we talked about like going to the website, you uh-huh. know, disruptors.com slash ERC, they can go fill out the whole <clears> thing, <throat> but just real quick to see if it's, you know, if they should start the process, what is a quick way to know if they qualify? That's the best way because we don't ask for any credit card, nothing up front. Um, just basically go into our questionnaire. We've made it like very detailed so you can go through it. And it'll take you five or 10 minutes per EIN. You'll go to uh, disruptors.com slash ERC. Uh, you'll go through some questions. You'll go through a couple of different prompts. And then you'll know in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it, granted, it's still a prequal. And I say that because and it's pretty detailed prequal. Like based on the questions you give, you know, now we just need to see your documents to verify what you said. It's going to be two weeks from now. And then you'll have some newfound money of something you didn't know you had. Yeah. Is this... More along the lines, though, I mean, for sure, need W-2 in place. For sure. Yeah, and w- there's another opportunity, too, that, you know, maybe uh, you're a business owner, but you're a sole proprietor or something. Maybe you know someone, mm-hmm. and we can go through that in a little bit, but that's something else. That way, you know, uh, we capture, I guess, all your listeners is someone that has a, a business, um, you know, with W-2 employees, this benefits it by going to uh, the website I talked about earlier, but then the other piece is you know maybe you know um, a plumber electrician that you can that could benefit from this and uh, we've also set it up where you can make a little bit of cheese from that by going to you know uh, ercdisruptors.com right Um, because you know there's just a huge blue ocean with this especially we have another year and a half two years in this program Mm -hmm. Um, i mean i I mean i just want to help every business possible you know i used to there's two um, statistics we've used to say um, and obviously, I'm going to talk about both of them, but there's one in particular that we're really concentrating on. But we've people have, have asked me, okay, how much, how many people have you filed for, or how much credit have you filed for? Well, credit-wise, 
we've done about $3.5 billion of credit for customers. As far as the amount of uh, filed customers, clients, businesses, almost 19,000. So we're averaging about 400 a day. Now, the 19,000 means something more to us than the, the other number. The reason being is we've had other companies that, and we've even had people that says, hey, um, this person has 100 employees. You know, let's, let's work with them instead of that five employee or 10 employee companies. Like, no, we don't, at the very end of the day, we want to have a number and say, hey, we helped 50,000 businesses. Whether you had two employees or if you had 500, it's one company to us. Mm-hmm. And that's huge to us because we want to make sure that we're not overlooking the small business to maybe a medium to higher you know, uh, employee size business. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we, again, we want to make sure we help as much people as we can uh, because believe me, it, you'll be surprised that your neighbor, <laughs> the person down the street has no idea about this and has five employees and it means a ton to them that you're putting, like in your case, $70,000 in their pocket. Right. So if you're listening to the show um, and you can think of a friend that owns a business, doesn't matter what industry, it could be in real estate, you know, plumbing, whatever, or it could be totally outside of this industry. Uh, but if they've got a business and they've got employees, go to ericdisruptors.com, uh, fill out to be an affiliate uh, for Josh, and then, you know, when they get paid, you'll make a little extra as well. Yeah, there's no cost to be an affiliate. Um, the other thing is, is like when you're talking, I was, I was sitting here thinking is, you know, we've been endorsed by many associations, but one in particular is we, the part of this program is not just, uh, I mean, yes, it's W2, but what I mean by that is we always think about just for-profit business. This actually is for nonprofits, ah. churches. Um, we, we do a lot of private schools um, that actually, you know, we were uh, endorsed by the, um, the private school association of Hawaii in Hawaii, you know, they were shut down quite a bit during the pandemic. Yeah. So the private schools, I mean, there's some that have 80 to 200 employees, you know? And so, um, one of our, um, representatives went out there and did a presentation for that association. And there was, she said there was 60 to 80, um, businesses, uh, private schools that were there in that presentation. And more than half of them's like, Oh my gosh, this would be great for, you know, what we could use for our, our, uh, our private school, whatever, because, you know, sports were, you know, pretty much shut down or you can only have your family member go watch your game or, you know, all that stuff. So we lost on concessions and all that stuff. So, um, there's, there's just so many different ways that, uh, or different pro different companies or opportunities that, you know, this program is for than just the old, old, uh, for-profit business. Yep. Uh, so John on Instagram wants to know, uh, and this is kind of g- general question here, uh, for entrepreneurs, what are the top five best options for investing your earnings? We don't have to go through five, but what are your top options for investing your earnings? Just in general? In general. I think this is a free for all. You can go anywhere, any direction with this you want. I'm a, I'm a big proponent in real estate. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I do, I think number one for me is commercial real estate. Number two is lending money in real estate. Um, you know, when I was in residential, especially when you're like, hey, you know, um, got a hard money lender, you know, charges two and 12. That's always the kind of the going rate until you kind of build a relationship. Um, now I'm the, I'm, I'm the person charging two and 12, you know, right. so that's, that's pretty awesome. That's the other dream when you're growing up right? yeah. in, in this world. Yeah. And because then I'm just doing research on being a first trustee position, all that kind of stuff. Uh, number three for me um, 
is different business opportunities. Um, there's a gentleman named Kyle Malin. Malin. Kyle Malian. Yeah, I can. What's his last name? Malian. I never say it right. And I and believe me, Kyle and I are good friends. He can't say my last name right, so <laughs> we got that on each other. Yeah. But no, I, I like to buy you know acquisition businesses like in that in that case, and I'm getting hard into that this next year or two. Um, I have uh, I just started money in, in crypto this mm-hmm. net, last four to six months, uh, more on the coin side, not the NFT side, because just because I don't know NFTs yet. Um, At this moment, you're not really missing anything. So, oh right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, lastly, is I'm buying um, up on some Airbnbs. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as partnerships and stuff like that, um, not only just for the cash flow, but for the depreciation and tax cost uh, segregation piece. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Malley, I went through his program, uh, the uh, buying businesses, and man, it's mind blowing. And if I had more time and resources, definitely something I would want to pursue. You yeah. Know, when we look at who not how, that's one of the things I've thought about. Uh, the other side. On, on, the, on the blockchain side, we do have, you know, the Whale Club, that's something that, you know, Paul Sparks and I talk about every Friday, and we have our own uh, way of combining real estate and the blockchain. So oh. um, right now we're actively looking at tokenizing real estate. So we're trying to be like, we won't be the first one, but we're going to be one of the first few. Uh, so we're, we're, we're I've had a couple people gap. talk about that. Yeah. yeah so, I, and I bet that would just revolutionize the real estate industry. Give us a month and a half. So a month and a half, we should have 45 days. 45 days. days today? Yeah, we should have it. If we don't have it figured out in 45 days, I'm going to be very disappointed. Uh, so then Young and Broke uh, uh, channel on YouTube. Uh, Boxable is creating a new platform for real estate. Uh, do you think it is Elon Musk has one or SpaceX and brings two cash flow? I, I don't understand the question, but it's a great channel name. I didn't understand that question. I don't understand the question either, but I mean, that's an awesome, that's an awesome channel name. Young and Broke. I like yeah. that. Uh, uh, there you go. I have plans on buying these casitas and creating cash flow rentals with them. I think that's awesome. If you can buy casitas, uh, I think with casitas though, you have to own the, the primary as well. So, uh, so then let, let me ask you right now then, um, you got multiple things going on and clearly you, when you said serial entrepreneur that, that you went from like commercial to lending to uh, Kyle's thing, which is not even real estate anymore. Yeah. To blockchain, which is also not even real estate anymore. <laughs> to, uh, you've got a lot in your head right now, right? So what keeps you going? Um, I mean, ERC is obviously taking 90% of my brain mm-hmm. and, and my daily piece, but commercial real estate's definitely close second. Um, the other ones I kind of mentioned, uh, Kyle, I'm not, it's not full time at all. Um, it's something that I've kind of been on a, cause there's things that we have to realize is there's general partners and limited partners, mm-hmm. right? Limited partners is you're kind of on the outside. Like I got some extra cash. I want to put it in here. I want to make sure it's a good investment. Um, I only want to spend an hour or two to understand it. And then I'll put money into it to make a good return on my money. In essence, that's kind of my, the hard money side right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the general partner is like your day to day. You know, yeah. and so you have to appreciate, you know, if you're an investor and to understand general partnership versus limited partnership, I was always a GP, a general partnership, general partner. I was never an LP, but now I can see why there's a benefit to the LP where you're, you're so busy doing something else, but you want your money to work for you with people that have good character that you trust, that the deal is good. That's where you want to put a lot of your money. And so when I talked about those five things, four of them were LPs. Yeah. You know, that what like even the the crypto, I'm a very, very LP in that. I'm not very I'm not active at all. 
Yeah. You know, I, I literally was on uh, on the phone with one of my friends yesterday for about an hour to understand a couple more coins and what he's doing, security side, all that stuff that I didn't know about. And so I still want to be educated. Um, you know, it's kind of like my, uh, this is kind of a side note, but even my son, for instance, you know, he's been, he's 15 and he's been flipping shoes. You know, I have these uh, Jordans here, but he's been flipping Jordans for a couple of years. He got me into it and he's made some money in it. A couple grand, you know, at the age of 15, well, 13 to 15. But he's been telling me, I don't want to go to college, dad. And I used to say like, oh man, it kind of like, I understand it, but I'm like, that's so early to say that. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I, it hit me about a month or two ago as I said, man, I got to change his verbiage. So I told him, I said, Gunner, his name's Gunner, I know you don't want to go to college, but you definitely need education, whatever that is. If it's in if it's in crypto, if it's in real estate, the education is what we should start seeing in our minds, not college, right? right? Um, because, I mean, we all know, like I have, I have a degree, but what's the ROI on college? It's hard, right? But it, what's the ROI on education? You know, if you spend 20, 30,000, 40,000 with a mastermind group, whatever it is, I mean, for me, when I went masterminds three or four years ago, that's when my my income ten times. Right. You know, and so I think um, I know I went off a little tangent there, but um, you know, I think uh, uh, like with my son with the education side, you know, um, it kind of goes with the LPs of I want to be a little bit educated, maybe not full diving in as a GP, but that's kind of the the main piece to it. So the yeah. long answer. Well, I'm with you on that on college, right? I, college right now for is, is a struggle for me as well. And I'm, I'm speaking as a person that went, you know, the four-year degree plus the master's degree, you know, and I'm yeah. no longer really sold on it. Yeah. Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? Biggest struggle? Um, I would say six, 12 months ago, it was traveling a lot. Obviously, I'm here in mm -hmm. Phoenix while my family's in Utah, but um, I've, I've uh, done a lot of condensing that travel, like, I mean, I'm literally just staying the night here, flying back to Utah tomorrow. Whereas, you know, in the past, it was three or four or five days. You know, and yeah. it was a, it was grinding, and uh, it was it wasn't great. I would say, you know, you know, texting or Facetime my wife every night, my kids. You know, I'd want to be there, they'd want me there, and that was tough. And I would say that was my biggest struggle. And now, I would say I've really condensed that. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. As far as the business side, um, this ERC side is—I um, don't know how to explain it—but um, just getting the word out to the more people is the struggle. Um, I have more and more people now than a year ago that believe me. You know, like I have high school <laughs> friends that I think to this day they haven't even taken advantage of this program, and I told them about it when I first came out. Yeah. You know, but outside of that, like I. Uh, it, I think everything's a grind. It's just like, what do you consider a struggle? Like, I uh, I don't feel like I struggle. Yeah. I feel like I go through every day. I'm very positive. I wake up at four or five in the morning, um, you know, read, uh, listen to book, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, well, isn't it funny though? Those that are closest to us are the ones that don't listen to us. Oh, for yeah. sure. That's just yeah. the way it goes. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, still crazy to me. Uh, so, like, I'm a sales trainer. Right? I sell. I, I train people across the country, right? Like, uh, on a regular basis, how to how to sell. And we actually hired a sales consultant to come to my office, right, to train my my realtors. And you know, my front office person is like, "What? You you're the sales trainer. Why would you hire a sales trainer from outside the organization to train your people?" <laughs> I told her, "Cause people close to us just tune us out. Like that's just the reality. They yeah. don't listen to us. So, bring someone else, teach something, same stuff we teach, 
But if someone else says it, yeah, it's reality. But when you're telling your friends, they're like, yeah, whatever. It's Josh being Josh. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah. it's totally. It happened today already. Uh, like I have three uh, director of sales. Well, not they're all, all director of sales, but they're my business development um, sales team. And uh, one of them's like, hey, this customer just still wants to hear one of the owners of the company. And I'm like, I'm going to tell them the same thing you told them. Mm -hmm. And it's just they want to hear an owner. You know, it's just uh, it's a human nature thing, I guess. It is. Totally is. Um, real quick here. So Cam uh, Camilo Tatis on YouTube. So he said, unfortunately, he got in a little late, but he just uh, heard, heard him talk about ERC. So um, is ERC a real thing? It guess what? It is real. Yeah, <laughs> well, real. You can. I, I, and this is what I we talked about this earlier. And I know. Uh, is it Camille? Uh, Camilla. Camilla just got on. But Camilla, I would tell you, is every time I started a presentation a year and a half ago, was I used to tell people, okay, this is too good to be true. The first thing I want you to do is go to ERC, or I want you to Google, type in ERC credit after the ads. Go to the IRS.gov website, and you'll see employee retention credit. You can either listen to me now, or you can read those 250 pages, then we can talk after you read those 250 pages. But this is what it is, and it is real. And um, the next thing to verify is to call your tax professional, call your CPA, call your enrolled agent, um, whoever did your taxes, if it's H&R Block or whatever, and just say, hey, I was looking at this, is this real? They'll tell you it's real. They might tell you you may or may not qualify. Now, the reason, the reason why I say that is, they only probably read or understood the program when it first started, but this has been amended five different times uh, where um, you know President Biden's made it, even Forbes did an article to make it easier for business owners to qualify. So um, I think that's the quick 30 second or 60 second version for Camilla. Yeah. And I am testament, right? Like I got the money. Yeah. So. And you actually receive the checks. I actually, you know, the checks. if you go to our website, ERC Specialist too. I mean, there's a testimonial page that these are people that actually receive their checks, and you can watch 15 of them if you want. Yep. You know, um, if you want to apply, obviously you you, you go to disruptors.com/erc and um, apply as far as a business owner. But um, we we waited six eight months to get those testimonials because mm -hmm. you know <laughs> IRS took a while to send out the checks, and right when we got it, it was like gold. You know, and even then, it's still there. Fifteen different uh, stories. People still question it. Like I got a, a text today. Hey, why aren't you guys on the BBB? Mm -hmm. You know, like because I know what the BBB is. Like I got to pay a subscription. Just go to our Google. Um, what do they call that? Google rating. You know, that's that's even better than BBB. You know. Uh, so BBB is funny, right? Uh, so you, funny. Have you ever ever had a BBB account? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know all about it. Yeah, right. it's a giant scam. It's it's such a pay like, to play. It's a yearly, <laughs> like annual fee, but yet consumers like have this idea of like, yeah, are you in the Better Business Bureau? Consumers over fifty five or sixty, right? Like younger people, it's Yelp, which is a different pay to play. Yeah. but older folks, it's like people that remember the white pages, um, <laughs> no BBB, and yeah, it's a total pay to play scam. It's crazy because I know because I was one of those people paid. Oh yeah, and they're like, "Hey, you got this complaint? How you want to handle it?" I was like, "I have an option." <laughs> yeah, I can. I can just like delete. I can this. dispute this complaint. Yeah, so like, you want to delete this? Like, yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Um, so on Instagram, uh, Garen, this question is for Steve. What's your first investment? What got you to make that investment? Man, it's been a while. I would say, I mean, we're gonna go back. My first investment was probably like candy, right? Like. It was flipping candy in eighth grade, um, you know, buying for a nickel, some for a quarter. Dude, I love that. That's a good story. Um, but I would say, you know, 
getting older. I don't know if we bought that uh, rental, the vacation rental that was a disaster that we foreclosed on, or a Ponzi scheme that I fell victim into. I'm not really sure it was one of those, but both of them were bad decisions. Go ahead. I saw the name. Oh, you know who it is? That's my son. Oh, there <laughs> I you saw go. Garen Zig. There you go. So that's uh, it's funny he asked you the question. It's kind of like what you just said is like, uh, I'm his dad, but he, he always <laughs> asks other people around me like, so tell me the advice that you have in business. Yeah. You know, like I have a good friend, Mark Evans, I was on the phone with today and Garen and my son Gunner, they look up to him like no other, which is great. I yeah. actually appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but good person I'm always the sitting model. there, there is a piece of me that's like, oh, that'd be so cool if they looked up to me at some point. Yeah. I got the same situation do, with my kids. <laughs> All right, so the, the question on uh, on Instagram from Austin, so this is uh, makes a little more sense. So what are your thoughts on Boxable and similar affordable prefab tech homes? I'm not familiar with that. Are you familiar with it? I don't know what Boxable is. But prefab tech homes, right? I, I think this is like kind of pre-manufactured homes. How do you so I haven't been into that um, side of it. The one thing you'll find out with commercial real estate is – um, just like we talked about, there's 30 different ways to make money in real estate, right? Mm -hmm. In commercial, people will say, oh, I want to I want to get into uh, multifamily. I always say multifamily is the gateway drug. Like it's the first thing when people go from residential commercial just to kind of learn it um, because it's so they understand it. People can live there. You know, they someone had a duplex or triplex, whatever it is. Now they're doing 60 units. But like when I see the boxable, it's the same thing of like there's so many different ways, so many asset classes um to get into real estate that i like i was pitched uh, about three weeks ago of like hey there's this development out in california that it's going to be tesla approved you know there's gonna be teslas that you if you buy your house it's gonna be like on the grid and you get a free tesla you know it's included in your house all this other stuff i'm like yeah that's just not my thing you know I, it might be someone else's mm -hmm. you know and that's probably this boxable is yeah. i'm always looking at different opportunities i i'm not in storage either you know i'm not in storage i'm not in um uh, Mobile home parks, I, I had a mobile home park, you know, four or five years ago and then realized after about three months, I don't want to be in mobile home parks anymore, but that was just me, right? There's really no shortage of ways to make money in real estate. Right. There really yeah. isn't. It's just everywhere. <laughs> I mean, they're not making more dirt. Yeah. Uh, how, how will you know when you're successful? It's funny. I don't, I don't know if that word is a good word for me, successful. Because um, I saw a thing with Matthew McConaughey uh, a few years back where he's always chasing his 30-year-old, his 40-year-old, his 50-year-old, he talks about. And uh, I, use the, I, always, I always use the word rich. Is I read something about 5, 10 years ago is what is the word rich means something different to everybody. Yeah. The word rich for me is to create more memories with my kids. Is I have four kids, beautiful wife. Uh, we've been married for 20-plus years. And... If I can continue to create memories with them, I consider myself rich. Now, I say that because I've been a Disneyland broke. I've been a Disneyland not broke. Guess which one I had more fun at, you know? <laughs> and so if you want to say, oh, money doesn't mean, um, what do they say? Uh, money isn't everything. Money is everything. Maybe to you, but for me, I, I had a lot more fun when I had money. And I yeah. still have a lot more fun. I feel like I'm rich because I can create those mem memories with them. Um, I mean, I always go back to Daniel Tosh, right? It's like, yeah, you know, money is my happiness, but have you seen a person sad on a, on a, on a jet ski? <laughs> I know, right? Right. Um, <laughs> on Facebook, Dima call, how long on average is it taking to receive checks? Six to eight months. It's funny though, because, um, and I'll tell your, your listeners this is if 10, it's so funny because 
the IRS, <laughs> we file it, we send it off to them. If I filed 10 of them, one of them somehow is sending it in three to four months. Uh, majority is six to eight months. So I tell everyone six to eight months. So don't get this um, idea that, hey, Josh said three to four months. Um, the other part is they send it in six checks. And mm -hmm. this is like the like the old IRS, they're still sending that today. Mm -hmm. And in the post office. Yeah. Like of all the new technology we have, ACH, all that stuff, they're still sending checks this way. And it's, believe me, it's frustrating because, you know, I'll have clients all the time that says, oh, I've received four of six checks. I don't know who these other two are. Then we'll have to have them fill out more forms to make sure we can track it and all that stuff because IRS, you know, is is so awesome. I feel like the, like I'm in Utah. So Ogden, Utah is one of the hubs for IRS. I've always told my employees especially is like, I feel like there's one, like for you listeners under the age of 30, there's a thing called a fax machine you probably mm. never heard of before. <laughs> But there's a probably a fax machine in some big 5,000 square foot uh, building that's air, faxes are coming through daily, and it's just getting sit, like no one's seen them. You know, I just feel you like that's how the IRS. Machines? <laughs> that's how I feel like the IRS is. I mean, that doesn't sound out of the question. <laughs> I watched a great. Um, uh, this is on TikTok, right? Um, you got a uh, Chamath, I want to say, right? One of the billionaires on All In Talk. You ever listen to that one? No. So this guy's like, I, I really love a, a, a lot of what he says. But he's like, all right, so we just raised 80 billion, not raised, we, we took $80 billion from taxpayers to hire 87,000 uh, IRS agents. He's like, if you went to Silicon Valley, he said, all right, I want you to create software that will detect when someone's cheating on their taxes. What do you think is the absolute most a tech company would charge you? No one would have the courage to say 5 billion. Right. It took eighty billion, wow! Right to hire 87,000 87, agents. Yeah, right. So anyway, just yeah. And the thing is, is like um, these days, it's actually hard to find like really, really, really good people. And so, eighty-seven thousand is just so much over a certain amount of time to find some yeah qualified people. Well, that's assuming that they want qualified people. But that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's another podcast. What, <laughs> what is your superpower? Um, networking and people. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that till probably three years ago. Um, I, I was always considered like someone that was social. Um, you know, I, I was, I grew up in a small town, but four sport athletes, you know, because there was nothing else to do. Um, and so I was always been around sports, which, you know, you lose games. So that's part of what I was okay with rejection. But then as I got older, I kind of realized my, like someone asked me that, um, and then even someone asked me that, you know, Tiffany and uh, Josh High, mm -hmm. um, they asked, they said it in one of their things about a year ago. And I sat there and like, oh yeah, someone talked about that about three, four years ago. And it really kind of, you know, made me uh, really think about that a little bit harder. And it is, it is networking. It's, it's just enjoying uh, people of all shapes and sizes, you know, and, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy being around people. I actually... My wife doesn't. She's more of a recluse, and I think that's what kind of helps us because, you know, um, there's times that I need to kind of abide by what she wants, and then she'll, you know, be the the person on my hip when I want to go enjoy, you know, that, um, you know, social mm -hmm. uh, networking or whatnot. Yeah. And what is the greatest lesson that you have learned? I think um, just taking advantage of your time. Like, and I, I'm, I'm not going to get uh, emotional or anything, but I, it kind of sat me there for a second is 
you know, like my oldest is 15, like he was born yesterday. You know, he's 15 years old and I have him for another three or four years. I have my 12 year old for another six, seven years and they're going to start their own families. I'm happy for them, but I'm sad for myself. You know? Yeah. Uh, and and it, it's, it's powerful, right? And that's something that, um, you know, a little bit we're going through in our house right now, right? It's like, man, like we've been in our bus for some time now. Yeah. Right. So, but kind of miss some stages along the way. Right. And that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. Um, it is. Uh, what book have you gifted more than any other? What, what was the exact what question? What book have you gifted more than any other? No Excuses. No Excuses? Yeah, it's called No Excuses. It was something that I read. I actually watched this guy. Um, his name's Kyle Maynard um, on 2020 or Dateline years ago. Um, he's someone that was born with no arms and legs. Um, and he could write, you know, perfect penmanship. He could type, um, you know, 50 words a minute. And he literally had no excuses. He ended up playing, I think, college wrestling for like University of Georgia or something. He was out of, I think he was out of Georgia. He was in a wheelchair and just very, very motivational guy. And, you know, through about the first five to 10 years of my real estate career, I gifted that book to a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, and even today I do it, um, I'll buy, you know, 10, 20, you know, uh, things of it and I'll gift that one. That's probably my top one. Uh, my second one's the who not how since, since that came out, I've gifted it whether through audible or whatever in the last three or four years, but no yeah. excuses is definitely my top one over the last 20 years. Got it. It's powerful. Uh, so I want you to leave the listeners with one last thought before we do that and make a few quick announcements. Guys, if you have value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment, even leave a five-star review. We got that bum RJ Bates out there saying to leave a three-star review. So go out there, five-star reviews. Uh, and then we do have uh, Sales Disruptors Masterclass. You guys saw that earlier. If you guys are interested in potentially getting, you know, it's not free government money, it's a credit, right? Disruptors.com slash ERC. If you want to help other people, go to ERCDisruptors.com. That way you can get a little bit of something for helping everyone else inside your network. And do tune in tomorrow. We got part of the disruption. We'll be talking about what's going on with the real estate market. We'll be debating that. And next week we got Steve Valentine, a good friend of mine, uh, talking about the latest in his in his journey. So last thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with. I, You know what? Um, I, I mean, I think about all, all the different uh, businesses or whatnot. The one thing I would tell people is something that I had to learn uh, about three or four years ago is to really concentrate on one to three things. And, and uh, I say that because I, when I, you know, when I was suffering in that oil business in 2020, I was actually in probably about 10 different businesses. You know, one of them as the majority owner, all the rest minority owner, but it's still like, what do they call that? You're a, uh, professional of so many, but a master of none or something yeah. like that. There's a jack of all trades, master, yeah, master yeah. of none. Yeah, I felt like I was at that point. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners like that. It finally like hit me one day, like, oh my gosh, I got to con concentrate on one or two things, mm -hmm. master that, and then move on to the next thing. And so, if I had to leave leave your listeners with one one thing, it's not like what my background is, or what business I have. It's, you know, as far as leaving an impact on something that I could probably teach you guys um, and gals on what I, you know, failed at 
suffered at for for a long time, and then finally it, it hit me one day and hit me right between the eyes, and and now that's what I do, you know. And a lot of people try to bring me into different opportunities. I was literally on a call yesterday, and I just told Mike, I don't have any bandwidth for that. Mm-hmm. Like I I just don't because then I'm going to take away from other stuff that's actually doing really well. What specifically had to happen for you to to, to for that to sink in? I think it was a financial <laughs> problem. I think financially, like just seeing like, wow, I just lost a lot of money doing that. You know, Mm -hmm. it was definitely finance, financial. Yeah. Um, And I know that's something that I needed to learn (laughs) much earlier in my career. Still kind of learning right now. It still hasn't really (laughs) sunk in yet. It's hard not to follow as a serial entrepreneur, finding what they call that shiny object. Like you're always following like, oh man, that looks so cool. And you're like, now I'm really good at not seeing it. I want to hear about it, but I know if I want to pursue it or not. Yeah. What am I, what what am I going to give up to get that? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Um, I mean, on the website, uh, you know, e- on the ERC specialist, my my email is joshz at ERC specialist. You're welcome to email me with any questions or anything you have. Um, I think that's going to be the best way. Oh, Instagram is uh, the Josh Z. Um, well, at the Josh Z. Um, I don't even know what my Facebook is. I mean, my, you have my last name, so you type in my last name. There's probably only about 20 of us in the yeah. in the U.S. So. <laughs> all right, perfect, awesome. So thank you very much. Yeah, it's an absolute thank pleasure. You, thank you guys for watching. See you guys all next week. Okay.